What community sounds like? Stay open. Hey guys, this is Chris from Tap the Craft. I want to tell you about a new partner that we have for the show, B Cups. B Cups is the world's first line of style-specific beer cups for people on the go. Whether by the beach, pool, hiking, or on the boat, B Cups are great for any place you can't use glassware. They're dishwasher safe, lightweight, BPA-free, recyclable, and so clear that they often get mistaken for glass. They come as four packs on Amazon.com, but two packs and variety packs are available on their website at bcups.net. That's B-C-U-P-S dot net. Go check it out. craft beer friends and welcome to another episode of tap the craft podcast i am denny loose i'm coming to you from boise idaho and my partner in craft from tampa florida the wells bro mr chris mckenzie how are you doing tonight buddy and what is in your glass danny uh danny jeez i think i started drinking a little early see what happens keep it up <laughs> danny i'm doing great man um Obviously, I'm feeling pretty good. So, uh, uh, currently in my glass right now, uh, we are drinking a hazy Imperial IPA from Adroit Theory. They're they're nine or IX, which depending on if you speak Roman numeral or Roman numeral or not, it's their <laughs> their Death Still edition. Ooh. And I, I have yet to take a sip of this yet. So, live tasting right here. Okay, let's let's hear it. Oh, I yep, yep. Hmm. Hmm. Ah. That's a little peppery too, and a little wow. dank. Wow, peppery! A pe- I, I've never had a peppery New England hazy IPA before. There's almost like a Belgian hef taste to it, like uh, banana, clovey, coriander type. Yeah. Wow. I'm I'm on the fence about it right now. I'm on the fence about it, um, but we'll see how it goes. You know, once I get halfway through this 22 ounce bomber of eight <laughs> percent uh, IPA all right it's a, it's uh, a, it's one of those uh, go big or go home days huh yeah and that the the one that I was drinking earlier from uh, from hidden Springs their monopoly money uh, that was uh, that was an eight percent beer as well so um, maybe we'll stick with the trend stick with the eights eights today so okay all right, so Denny, how are you doing? And of course, what is in your glass? I am doing fantastic because it has been a while since we recorded because we did record that last episode early and I felt like I was missing something until all of a sudden the show snuck up on us and said, hey, it's time to record tonight. And I got so excited to come and uh, share a, some beers with you and share some commu- some conversation with you and our listeners. And so I'm doing really well. And it's uh, the sun is shining, even though it is a little chilly. Uh, but when the sun's out, you don't feel the chill because uh, it's sunny. It's like you you know spring is around the corner, so that's always a, a good thing. And I am drinking, uh, I'm drinking a flagship beer, and this is uh, important because, uh, as you'll learn in a little bit, uh, it's going to be a, a highlight of of a topic that we're going to talk about today. Uh, this one is from Big Sky Brewing. It's the Moose Drool Brown Ale. It is their flagship oh, yeah. 
their flagship brown ale, their beer. And um, this is a beer that's been around for a long time, and I, I wish I would have gone and, and uh, wrote down the, when they started brewing, but it's been 20 years, I think, they've been brewing, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while, 20, almost 20 years probably. And I'll be honest with you, uh, everyone knows that I love brown ales. I, I just love them. And when I first had Moose Drool back in my early days of, of my, well, I wouldn't say early days, in, my, in, the, in the days when I was looking for uh, hoppy beers, you know, I was looking for that IPA, I was looking for that bitterness, something different. And when I would have these Moose Drools, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't feeling it because the malt character was just a little bit too strong for me for what I was really looking for. I liked the hops. But now, you know, fast forward 16, 17 years later, and uh, and I'm a huge brown ale fan. And now when I drink it, it's a nice, pleasant, well-done brown ale, not too caramel, toffee, you know, type malt character, just enough, a little bit uh, thinner maybe, a little bit lighter than you would see in a, in a porter, which is a which is a preset. I appreciate that because I don't want to drink a porter when I drink a brown. I don't want to drink a brown. I want to have a little bit of that malt character, uh, not so heavy and not, you know, not roasty at all. I want it to have just a, a toffee, uh, you know, caramel to toffee character in there and, and not be too sweet. I'll tell you what, this one does a really good job of blending all those things in. It's no wonder this is their flagship beer. And it's delicious too. Yeah, it is good, and and it's and in cans now. Oh, good. Well, according to the good the good friend or uh, the good folks at Wikipedia, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Big Sky opened their doors in 1995. Okay, yeah. Um, doesn't really specify when Moose Rule started, but uh, they started uh, started brewing uh, just after they opened in 1995, and uh, they're they're currently producing. Somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, sixty thousand barrels of beer a year. Okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. I mean, that's 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 a a really good amount. I think, I think staying at sixty thousand barrels is probably good for them. I think right now, in the way that the you know the market's going, and so many breweries are opening, so many people are drinking beer from you know local beers. Uh, if they try to expand too much, they can run into some of those problems that a lot of those breweries that try to go up over that 100,000 barrel mark uh, have where they they want to expand and, and get out to the different markets, but then they just can't, you know, just can't sell their beer uh, as fast as if they keep it kind of small and, and, and have select markets that they need. So I think 60,000 is a good, a good healthy mark. And yeah, I, I thought it was about 20 years, 20, 23 to 24 year range uh, is about right. And I think I pro- like I said, I think I had my first moose drool probably uh, just before 2000. Uh, I think it was probably 99, maybe is when I had my first moose drool. And like I said, back then it's a little bit a little bit malty for what I was really craving at the time. Uh, but I, I have been revisiting it in the last like eight years. Uh, I've been drinking this, uh, especially when I get those sampler packs. In fact. That's what I got. I got one of their sampler packs because they had uh, two I- they had two IPAs. That, oh, I-, I take it back. One IPA that I hadn't had before. The uh, 
uh, what was it called? Share a dice? No, uh, shake shake a dice uh, IPA, which was pretty good. And they had another beer in there I hadn't had before. It's a brand new one called Space Goat, and it's a pale ale. And I'll tell you what, I almost drank that one tonight, but I said, you know, I got to keep it in the flagship beer category for my opening beer. I will probably be drinking a Space Goat, uh, you know, before the night's over on the show because I really enjoyed that. It has a I, I'm not a big fan of floral hops in my beer. A lot of times because, it, to me, uh, they can come across a little perfumey. You know, I don't know why that is, but my palate, it, when I taste floral, I, I think of perfume. Weird, I know. Uh, but I'll tell you what, this Space Goat one is a floral hop presence, but it's so mellow and mild that it just gives a good character to it without being too in your face. And it has a nice multi, you know, profile too that gives you that, that, uh, uh, kind of biscuity cereal, um, bread doughy kind of, uh, malt character in there along with that floral. And, uh, and it's good. I really like that one too. So, uh, so yeah, I had a sampler pack. And of course, when you had a sampler pack, they got to throw a few of these moose rules in because that is their, their big seller, so yeah. So I wonder if I wonder if they're using noble hops in those. I, I believe, and you know, if John was here to tell us, uh, slacker, mm-hmm. um, I believe the noble hops, like so, from across the across in the uh, the UK, those are all the kind of like the floral and earthy kind of yeah, earthy hops. ones. Yeah, yeah, they definitely noble for me have a lot of earthy character to them, and that's another reason why I've, for a long time I wasn't that fond of the noble hops they're still not my favorite because a lot of times some of those those hops can come across like you know graphite like like graphite pencil bitterness mm-hmm. right and some of them come across like like moss on a on a on a wet <laughs> on a damp side of a tree uh, right so peat peat yeah but yeah. not smoky in a way but just mossy like i mean like dirty like like mildewy sock type flavor, right? Those mm. type of characters aren't like on the high on my list of things I really uh, like. But there is a there is a point when they can be enjoyable. So I I won't say that I I won't drink them. I will. Uh, not my favorite, but there are some that just are done really well. That you know that aren't too too bad. Wow, we had we already had about 10 minutes of conversation before we even opened up the show. Officially. Look, there's your intro. <laughs> there's our intro. There's our intro. So, hey, let's talk about what Tap to Craft podcast is all about because you know what? I guarantee we have some new listeners out there just trying us out for the first time. So let's not let's tell them what they can expect and what they can expect in this show and what they can expect in listening to all the other 120 shows before this one. In case you are new to Tap to Craft Podcast, we are an educational podcast. We focus around celebrating all things craft beer because we want to help you, our listener, along in your craft beer journey. And why not uh, Why not share the wealth? We want this, uh, this hobby to grow, so we want to teach you not to be scared of it. Or if you're an experienced beer drinker, craft beer drinker, and you know everything, hey, we want you to help us teach other people too so you can write into the show and help us uh, get some some facts out there too so it's all about educating people and you're listening to episode 121 and we're recording on monday march 11th 2019 
And in this episode, we will discuss flagship beers and their importance to the craft beer movement. And of course, you've already experienced what we will be doing along the way. You'll be having some more great conversation between Chris and I because, hey, we like to drink beer. And when we drink, we like to chat and just jab around about all kinds of cool things. So you can expect some great conversation. So starting off this conversation, let's find out what our listeners are drinking and checking in to Untapped. Chris, are you prepared with the what the listeners are drinking segment? I am absolutely prepared. And uh, the first one's going to come from us from 31 minutes ago. Ooh, uh, when, when I pulled this up right when we started, um, this was 11 minutes ago. So we're going to start out with Chad LaMassa okay. drinking a Model T. Ooh. T-E-A, like uh, iced tea. Oh, yeah, yeah. From Rusty Rail Brewing Company, and he writes in another great beer from Rusty Rail. This is like an alcoholic peach tea with a bit of hop bitterness. I love it. Mm. And that's a four and a half cap uh, beer for him. Scrolling on down, Jay Collins, a composition in hops, Fuga beer (laughs) by Trophy Brewing. Mm. Uh, He's drinking that on his patio this evening. Uh, Three and three and uh, 3.75 caps on that one. Tara Carlson drinking a Gritty's Original Pub Style by Gritty McDuff's Brewing Company at Gritty McDuff's Auburn Brew Pub. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, she only gave that one a three cap. So it's kind of an average beer, uh, but slightly above average, I guess. Two and a half would be average. Moving on to James Kudzall, uh, Maine's Best IPA. So they must be at Gritty McDuff's Auburn Brew Pub. Uh, <laughs> Uh, gave that one three and a half caps. Nice basic IPA. Really enjoying this pint. Uh, moving on the other side of the globe, I believe. Uh, Johan Halberg is drinking an extra special bitter by Fuller, Smith, and Turner at Bison's Beer Cave. Um, gave that one uh, three and a quarter caps. Johan again drinking a London Pride by Fuller, Smith, and Turner at oh. Bison's Beer Cave. Yeah, I like, um, I like, I like uh, London's Pride. And then that was only a uh, two and three, two point seven five caps. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, not 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 the greatest apparently. But hey, keep checking them in. Uh, Kevin Page, I've been chatting back and forth with him a little bit. Drinking Rainbow Sherbet by Angry Chair Brewing Company. Ooh. Uh, one of the releases this week from Tampa Bay Beer Week. Glad it's over. Um, <laughs> and, and he's given this one a uh, four cap. This is a uh, a Rainbow Sherbet uh, Berliner Weiss that he writes in admittedly was expecting a lot from this much more tart than sweet, uh, a solid sour and props to having that sherbet nose and mouth. And, uh, well, he's got emojis for nose and, and mouth or lips, uh, having that sherbet nose and mouth finish. Um, that's what I'm going to guess is what he's trying to say. Okay. Um, Kevin page again, drop the guillotine by burial beer company, hmm. uh, four and a quarter caps, uh, Tom Byrne, is drinking a raspberry milk stout oh. by Left Hand Brewing Company. Oh, wow. Now, okay. that one I've never seen before, which uh, that looks pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> now, now Left Hand was probably one of the, the first beers that I actually started really ramping up into uh, the kind of the craft beer hobby. Uh, once I got into that uh, Left Hand and milk stout on nitro, mm-hmm. um, that was that was definitely... I feel like that's a gateway beer. I think it could least, be. Yeah. At least for right. me anyway. Yeah. Uh, Tom Byrne again, drinking 
uh, a head full of dynamite version nine, uh, the hazy IPA with Sabro cryo, Yucanot and Amarillo hops, uh, by Fremont brewing. Um, and then Wait, what do you give it? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. He gave that four caps and okay. he's watching hockey. Uh, so there's a hockey emoji. He might be watching. I can't tell what game he's watching. <laughs> Well, that, but, I, th- those head full of dynamites, um, they do change them up. Like you said, it was version nine. I've had not all the versions. I haven't hit every single one, but I've had most of them. And some are better than others. And I think I have had the one that he's having right now. And I enjoyed that one. Yeah. So he put a he put a hockey emoji up on the screen. Like it, It's kind of tough to see what he might be watching. It's just a picture of his TV and the colors are a little bit uh, too bright. Okay. Um, but um, if he's watching the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning game, which would be awesome, that's going on right now. So this was 19 hours ago. But uh, <laughs> And then I'm going to read this last one. Normally, I don't go this far back, but my buddy Stephen Brown uh, is drinking a beer from Lawson's Finest Liquids. Ooh. And I like Super this one sunshine? just because... Oh. Uh, I like this one just because of the name. It's called Maple Nipple. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, sadly, he only gave this one a three cap. So, oh, yeah, it's uh, a, uh, their robust, rich maple ale loaded with 100% pure Vermont maple syrup delivers a smooth and palate pleasing mouthfeel with a slightly sticky finish. It sounds like it might be sweet, but yeah, that might be a little over the top. Yeah. Um, so, that's what everybody's drinking. Wow. At least, at least in the last 24 hours. Oh, good. That sounds fantastic. Everyone's drinking some good beers. Yeah. Sure. Well, good. I guess I didn't check in on anything yesterday, huh? Mm-mm. And I missed a couple, too. Uh, that's uh, wow. oh. bad on me, I suppose. No, I checked into some beers yesterday. You just left me off. But maybe I checked into them before uh, the 24-hour clock. That's probably because I removed you as a friend or something. Yeah, you probably did. <laughs> Probably got tired of seeing me check into all these beers. Plus, I think I already talked about the beers that I checked into uh, already, so it's okay. All right. All right. Well, guess what? John's not here, but stay tuned. We've been chatting with him, and he might have an opening for episode 122 where he might be able to come on the show with us. So stay tuned. If you want to hear John again and you want to hear firsthand his Trek Brewing update, then uh, come back for episode 122, and he'll be able to say that. But I do have some updates that I decided to throw into the show because this is some exciting stuff uh, that I really, uh, and Chris and I, we really uh, appreciate this in, in a business, and this is one of John and Kristen's primary goals of their whole business plan, f- or what was it, uh uh, I guess it's their their business philosophy statement was was to uh, be you know be able to support the community. So they have just opened up, created a fund, a Trek Together Community Fund. Hey, I love a good play on names, and Trek Together Community Fund sounds a fund sounds like a a great name. And uh, they say this is really exciting because. They're starting to see their dream in motion because they've always wanted to help the community. So so every Thursday will be a Trek Together night. Some weeks they will have a specific organization that they will collect funds for and and the money that they collect will go towards that specific fund. And uh, other nights that they don't have a specific fund, it will just go into the general fund that will be supporting different charities. 
uh, every single pint that's poured between 5 p.m. and 9 p.m. will be will get a dollar donated back into that organization. And then any non-organization specific nights, that dollar will go uh, to the, the Trek Community Fund, Trek Together Community Fund. Uh, so that's great. That's great news. They're, they're actually building a fund. Uh, they also, uh, on top of this, they've already been doing their house that built beer or the house that beer built. Man, I guess I got to slow down on the beers too because I'm No, not, no, you go faster. You're I'm not talking so well. Backwards. Yeah. Um, and so with this... What they do is they is John brews up a smash uh, beer, which is a single malt and single hop beer. That's what smash stands for. And he calls it smash hope homelessness. And when this beer is on tap, then every beer served, every every time they, they pour a pint of this beer, a dollar goes into the Trek Together Fund. And that will be earmarked specifically for the house that built that beer built. It's like a it's like a tongue twister. The house that beer built, so that is pretty cool. Um, and then today, I was I happened to be, you know, jumping around Facebook for a few minutes when I was trying to waste some time, and I saw that they also posted another community event that they're going to be having annually, and this is their they're going to be starting a a point five k annual fun run to support the Licking Counting All for One camp. And the All for One camp is a fantastic day camp experience uh, for special needs campers uh, that's brought, that's uh, sponsored, well, uh, sponsors, I guess held by the YMCA in Licking County. And this event will be, the first one will be held on April 6th, 6th, 6th. <laughs> wow, why, they picked a bad day. I can't say that. I, April sixth. Like, oh, thank you. And the cost will be twenty five dollars, which includes a five dollar donation to the camp, a special event T shirt, and a free pint. So we all want you to go to trekbeer.com and order your event ticket now. Go do it now. Don't waste time. Go order your ticket. Get that shirt, free beer, and go run that half K run. I can even do that one. Yeah, so seriously, guys, if, if if you've ever wanted to do a race and was worried about the distance, I mean, a half K, when we're talking about a third of a mile here. Mm-hmm. So maybe like a lap and a half around a, like a, around a high school track. Yeah. If that. Yeah. It's if, probably like just like a couple, a couple uh, laps around Trek Brewing. You know what? They, they should do that. <laughs> just do it a, a lap, maybe like a lap around the outside of the parking lot. Yeah. And they don't have to go get it, you know, move it off site. They could do it right there. And when everybody's done and tired and breathing heavily from their half K run, (laughs) they can go get a nice, cold, refreshing cream ale or an IPA to, you know, celebrate their victory. Yeah. Yeah. The Trek cream, Trek pale, Trek red. They all have names now, I think. Of course, I don't know what they are. I forgot. Canteen. The canteen cream ale. Cream ale. That was the one that Robert named. Uh-huh. And then what was the one that uh, David named? It was the... Uh, gosh, I have a bad memory. I bet John would know if he was on. I mean, 
It's just starting to sound like you don't care. Yeah, I do care because I put uh, two events in here for John. <laughs> solo hike. Uh, solo, yeah, solo hike. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, there's a pale ale called Weekend Wanderer. The red ale called Scarlet. Scarlet, huh? Yeah, so I'm looking at... Uh, John, I'm checking out your untapped uh, page here. There's there's a lot of different beers here that we didn't know about. No, he's he's <clears throat> pumping out beers on that pilot system like crazy. So there's always a variety. He's got eight beers on tap at all times, I think. Yeah, so let's uh, those, the the first one that popped up was Trail Magic, which is a stout, the Canteen Cream Ale, Solo Hike IPA, the Weekend Wanderer Pale Ale, um, Forked Run, the Brown Ale. Yeah, Forked Run. That was, wait, that wasn't the one that, no, Solo Hike, I think, was what, yeah. I can't remember. We we don't have to get the answers right. We just have to sound like we know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, so sweet. They got a lot of cool uh, cool names in there already. So Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Right, go, go join the fun, for sure. All right, Chris. So you've been uh, hinting at an event that's been going on last week that finally got over. Uh, did you actually participate in this event? Or what is this event? Uh, Tampa Beer Week. Ooh. Now, Tampa Beer Week starts off uh, normally what, what, uh, Normally the first full week in March. Um, the great part is, is that they end the, the, the beer week. So Saturday the 9th would have been the Hunapu Day that we mm. talk about a lot. Uh, so they fo- they close out Tampa Beer Week on on that uh that event, but Tampa Beer Week is basically um, most of our sixty plus breweries around the area. I can't believe we have that many breweries anymore. Mm. Good God, um, this is about the time that everybody goes crazy, starts releasing all kinds of fun things, um, has different special events, um, and it really becomes a time when I don't go to breweries. <laughs> too crowded huh <laughs> because it has literally become such a big it's been it's become a big deal and i think it's great for the city of tampa and the, and the surrounding areas and it's awesome to see such growth uh for all these breweries and things like that but man um i think we talked about it last year just using angry chair as an example now angry chair a lot of people know about them they and again they put out some wonderful beer that i i really enjoy they last year had a queue outside of their door that you had to wait in line to just enter the brewery, not get served, but just to enter the brewery because so many people had come into town and uh, wanted to attend Tampa beer week. Now bringing up angry chair again, what they did this year is instead of holding an individual bottle release every single day of Tampa beer week, they sold, um, a, kind of like a an all-in-one ticket so i believe the ticket was about 500 bucks oh wow and you were guaranteed a bottle from every release that they did so if they released seven bottles you were guaranteed those seven bottles or uh and and you know what now that i think about it don't quote me on that price but it was something pretty ridiculous but they did it off-site they did the release off-site they had a party um and I believe that they coupled it with an event that they do uh, called their Rad Beer Fest. So I read about all this about three, four weeks ago. So again, the details could be a little hazy. Um, like this IPA I'm drinking is absolutely getting delicious. Hmm. <laughs> so 
a ton of people come into town and the, the breweries just get a little too crazy for, for my tastes. And um, our good friends at Hidden Springs decided to release a few things that I said, well, if I'm out and about running around for appointments and stuff, maybe I'll swing over there and pick some stuff up. So they, of course, had a barrel aged uh, what they called Black Aggie was the beer that they released a barrel aged Imperial Stout with like marshmallow and peanut butter. And um, it disappeared in an hour and a half. So I wasn't really shooting for that one. Um, one of the beers that they put out was one is in my new and noteworthy that we'll talk about in a little bit, but, uh, I walked into that brewery at about 1230 on a Thursday, mm-hmm. one o'clock, 1230, one o'clock on a Thursday. Um, and it was, it was shoulder to shoulder in there, just kind of the middle of the day on a Thursday. Yeah. And that's kind of, uh, it's like, yeah, I'm going to grab this beer and just, just go ahead and go. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that was one of the things that I was kind of talking talking with Kevin Page about. Just uh, we had a, a couple of quick chats back and forth through uh, through text, and he was like, "Hey man, are you you gonna go check out any of these breweries? You know, Angry Chairs putting out some great stuff." And I was like, "Nope, I'll be staying away from breweries this week." Um, we we did end up going to a place on Friday, but this was kind of like our little place away from Tampa here in our neighborhood that it doesn't get more crowded during Tampa beer week. It just, it stays the same. Okay, good. So, so bullfrog Creek, uh, I'm, I hope you guys grow to, to everything that you want to grow to. Uh, but I'm glad to see that you guys aren't just stupid busy like all the other breweries <laughs> around Tampa. So, <laughs> yeah. So, but it's over now. It ended on Saturday and I'm happy to see it, see it done. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to see it done. All right. Well, so you didn't go to Hunapade? I didn't. Uh, we we just uh, we hung out and drank some great beer by the pool, and that was that was about it. Yeah, in your B cups. Mm, yeah. Nice. I'll show I'll show everybody my B cups this, <laughs> this week too. Got All some right. sun on them. All right. Well, I I haven't done any really events. I did travel to California, so I did get to drink a a few beers that I hadn't had before. I, I tried search out some stuff. I'll tell you what beer is expensive in California. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's expensive. So I, luckily I was on the company's dime, but, uh, uh, I had some good ones, but, uh, but no real events. We did, you know, we, we hung out with some friends at, uh, uh, at uh, White Dog Brewing this weekend, we went to uh, with my son and his girlfriend to Meriwether Cider uh, the weekend before last. So you know we visited some breweries, but nothing nothing event worthy. I I'm hoping to you know one thing that uh, I was going to have this show be a St. Patrick's Day themed show because this will be releasing. Uh, before thanks or before Thanksgiving, before Thanksgiving. <laughs> I hope it, or or after Thanksgiving, however you want to look at it. Yeah, before uh, before St. Patrick's Day, and I thought, ah, it'd be it'd be pretty cool. I I'll do it, but you know what? I don't want to. You know, we, those are dime a dozen. I want to do something different. I want to be outside of the box. But so, what do you, you don't want to talk about Guinness? No. No, no, or green beer, but there are there are some events around town that are going on that weekend because I think St. Patrick's Day is on the Sunday this year. I it think. is, yeah. Yes. So Saturday, there's a lot of events going on, and I think I'm going to go to the Bear Island event on Saturday, 
and you know check out their their event and uh, and have some fun for St. Patrick's Day uh, before the day before. But uh, but hey, let me just talk about my noteworthy beers real quick since you just got done talking about uh, you know a few of the beers you drank and some of this fun activities in Tampa Beer Week. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, I just have a couple. Uh, the first one is one that uh, that you also had a chance to try. I think you did. You mention this on the last show, the Belching Beaver Tastes Like Space Milk Stout. I don't remember if I mentioned it on the last show. Uh, if I didn't, I should have. Yeah, uh, I hadn't had it before I sent it to you. I grabbed two cans of it. I uh, sent one to you, and and I kept one. And I was waiting for the right moment to drink it and. Uh, last week was the right moment, and so it popped it open, shared it with my lovely wife, and uh, we really enjoyed it. I'll tell you what, this is a, a really good milk stout, and I'm not a big milk stout fan, but I'll be honest with you, lately there have been some milk stouts that are really well done, that aren't too sweet, that have a, still have a nice roasty character to it without being you know overly sweet, and this one's really good. It had a it was, I really enjoyed it. I gave it four and a quarter rating. So it was uh, above average for sure. I also already mentioned the Big Sky Space Goat Pale Ale. I gave that a four cap rating. I won't talk about it anymore because I already talked about it. I, I forgot I put it on my Noteworthy Beer before I rambled on about it in the beginning of the show. I also had one that surprised me. Now, why did it surprise me? I shouldn't be surprised because I love this brewery. But sometimes when you have some weird stuff, thrown out there it doesn't work but guess what this one works and it's called it's from iron horse brewing they're out of ellensburg washington uh, a spot that i would stop at when driving through to seattle to go visit john and and we partake in their beer and i get their beer here locally and i drink everything that comes in because i really really enjoy their beer in fact their flagship beer which i didn't mention in our brew buzz segment yet but um is the uh you know what? I'm going to call it their flagship beer, but it might not be their flagship beer. I'm guessing that it's the uh, Quilter's Iris Death Strong Ale. Uh, it's a really good, really good dark strong ale. Uh, but you know what? That might not be their flagship. It's my flagship for them, in my opinion. But okay, I got sidetracked. But this one's called <laughs> their Nordic Cousin Saison. Why is it called Nordic Cousin? Because they're using a yeast that uh, I can't remember the name of it. Kavoric, Kavor, something like that. K K R I K R K R A V I K. I think uh, it's using a special yeast from Norway, and uh, they're using this yeast in a saison. And I'll tell you what, this beer was so tasty, and it wasn't a traditional saison farmhouse ale uh, character with any. You know, sometimes they'll be a little bit. Um, on the spicy side with some herbs and stuff in there. Uh, and some of the times, the and I think it might be because some of the, the Belgian yeast they use gives off some of those uh, yeast esters that will give off Belgian characters and some of the, the uh, you know, those, those extra herby type flavors. This one with this Norway yeast, man, very good, very tasty, very smooth, uh, easy drinking. Uh, just loved it. Gave this one a four-cap rating. And then one of the beers that I had on my trip to California was from Allagash. And Allagash is all the way over in Portland, Maine. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I don't get Allagash here in the Boise area, but when I go even further west to California, they have Allagash in California. Oh my gosh, I felt so, so uh, lucky, I guess, that I got to drink some more Allagash. This is my third, I think my third Allagash beer I've had. And so far, all of them have been like super good. This is the Allagash Black, and it's, it, they call it a Belgian stout. Now, there's no such thing as a Belgian stout, but they made one. They made a stout with some Belgian yeast, and I'll tell you what, uh, it works really well, and it's really tasty. It has a little bit of hint of those Belgian characters, just a, just a hint of that little bubble gummy, uh, maybe some uh, coriander character in the in uh, the finish of this beer. Really well done. Gave that a four cap rating. So uh, I love Allagash. I love what they do. I just wish I was able to drink more of their beer. Mm-hmm. I wish it showed up a little bit more around here, too. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. There's my noteworthy beer. So, Chris, why don't you enlighten us with some of your noteworthy beers? So I only had two on my list today or for, for this this show. Um, drank a lot of beer, just nothing that made this list. Okay. Un- unfortunately, fortunately. That I means know. you're not drinking uh, enough beer. Uh, that's right. You're absolutely right. And I'm sorry to everybody out there listening. I want you to know that I'm sorry. I have not drank enough beer to uh, make my list more extensive. Um, so first things first, uh, one beer that I just talked about that I picked up during beer week. I, I fought through the crowds. It's like, I mean, beer week's like Black Friday around here. It's ridiculous. Anyway, um, Hidden Springs put out a beer called Tiger's Blood. Ooh. Now, Tiger's Blood... Um, just like a lot of their other stuff, um, has been, um, the, uh, the Berliner and the Berliner, I swear that they're just basically taking all of these different, uh, all the, all the fruits that they can find, uh, to make different Berliners or all these different flavors. This one is a Berliner with strawberry, coconut, watermelon, and lactose. Mm. And this one was just. It was just good. I, I was literally just hanging out by the pool, showing everybody my B cups, and <laughs> um, and just enjoying this one. It was, uh, it's you know really low in, in in ABV, so it's you know like I think it's like five percent, five and a half percent, something like that. And it was just great. I'm glad I fought through the lines and went and grabbed a grabbed a four pack of this. Yeah, five and a half percent. Wow. Nice, but it was it was fruity. It was it was slightly sweet, but it was tart enough to kind of counterbalance that sweetness, uh, just to make it a really enjoyable beer. And then the second one that I had was from Licking Hole Creek. Ah, okay. But was their Eternal President? Now, Eternal President was a barrel aged Imperial Stout. Now the the but the barrel that was used was a tequila barrel. And I'm not normally a fan of the, I love tequila, by the way. Yeah. Um, but I'm not really a fan of the beers aged in tequila barrels because they kind of get that acidic taste. To, they kind of get that acidic flavor to them. And it sometimes that, that barrel is just kind of bitey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just not really a big fan of. But this one was really, this one worked out really good. I ended up, uh, so first off, I gave Tiger's Blood four and a quarter caps if I didn't say that. Um but the the eternal president I gave four caps to uh, because once it started warming up, I actually kind of slowed down drinking this one just to kind of pick out the flavors 
in in the beer just kind of sit there and go okay well there's the tequila but what flavors do i pick out of the tequila like um maybe the citrus notes or any earthy notes or you know like it sometimes tequila can kind of have like a to me anyway maybe like a almost like a vegetal flavor to it just because it's made from a plant so I was just trying to pick out different flavors in it, but it was also an imperial stout. So it had chocolate flavors and roasty flavors, but it still kind of had that tequila note in there too. So it was, it worked out pretty good. But um, what they have written in, in untapped is it's a uh, uh, tequila barrel aged imperial stout with a complex caramel sole tempered by a chocolate and roasty undertone, which is highlighted by notes of tequila higher in ABV and lower in IBUs than our Russian Imperial Stouts. Eternal President is balanced by the heat of fresh peppers, vanilla, Mm. cinnamon, and cocoa nibs. Wow. So it was a lot going on in there that they figured out some way to put together pretty damn good. Wow. Yeah, because normally when you have cinnamon and peppers, it can get a little bit uh, uh, heated. (laughs) Oh. Oh. I like what you did there. Yeah. yeah well, good. But yeah, that's, that's that's the only two I had on there, but they were some pretty good ones. All right. Well, no, those sound great. Those are worthy. Those are noteworthy for sure. Okay. Well, guess what? It's time for our voicemail segment, and we got two more voicemails. Of course, I think both these guys were were uh, hoping that they would have made the the deadline. Uh, we did step it up. A, a couple days early because I did have that recording that, uh, or that, that trip that I hadn't planned for. So yeah, uh, it happened, but Hey, it's okay. We got two more voicemails. Uh, the first one is from our buddy, Larry Asbury. He is the founder of open forum radio. He is the voice you hear in the middle of the show every week, shouting out all the different podcasts we have on the open forum radio network. And he left us a voicemail and let's, Listen to that now and see what Larry is asking. Hey, what's going on, Tap the Craft? It's your boy, Larry, a.k.a. Blue Man Rule. And I thought I would send you guys in a voicemail. I have a quick question. My wife is in love with this Parat Belgian Ale by Von Steenberge Brewery out of Belgium. It's 10.5%. It's a pale ale. Yes, and it's at 10.5%. Uh, but the IBUs are really low. And I was wondering if you guys had any recommendations for something, uh, with the ABV about 10.5, anywhere from 10 to 11%. Uh, that's a pale ale with, uh, lower, with lower IBUs. Uh, man, I really appreciate it. And, uh, y'all keep doing what you're doing. And yes, please, uh, send your boy some, some of those tap the craft cards. I tell people to listen to the show all the time. Because now I'm viewed like a beer aficionado and I just barely know anything. So, <laughs> but what I do know, I credit to you all. So thanks a lot, man. Peace out. Okay, Larry, guess what? I think we can help you out. So just to recap, uh, it looks like his, he's, they're trying to find a domestic beer, uh, equivalent to one of his wife's favorite beers that she really enjoys, uh, which is the, uh, what it was, a Belgian beer brewed by Van Stenberg called Pirate. And I've had that beer. I've had it in the, I've, I've never had it on tap. I've had it in the bottles. Uh, I had their fresh hop one too. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're not too bad. I like, I like Belgian ales, so I've tried a bunch of different ones. But, uh, so, you know, when researching this beer, uh, it's, you know, I think it's labeled, I mean, the equivalents of the flavor profile for this beer, um, are unique. Uh, it's, 
I think the the brewery calls it a golden strong ale, but I think it's more closer to a golden a Belgian golden pale ale. Uh, I might be wrong in that uh, assumption. And uh, so this this beer though for the style uh, being at ten and a half percent ABV, that's really high for uh, maybe not for a, a golden. Like a like a Belgian golden strong ale, they can be up that high, but for a golden pale ale, uh, it can range that that high. But most of the time, we're going to find these these beers around eight and a half to nine percent. That's usually the the normal spot. So this one's a little bit higher on that alcohol level. Now, I'm guessing that Larry's wife really enjoys that little buzz, that little head swirl she gets when she drinks this beer. That's probably one of the the things she enjoys about it. So of course, trying to find something up in that higher range. Uh, more bang for your buck. Uh, let's see what we can do. I, I think it's going to be a little tougher finding a domestic uh, beer like that. But we've got a couple things that I found and a couple things that that uh, Chris found. So let me go with what I found. Um, these are all beers that I've had and that I recommend that I really enjoy. Uh, the first one is going to be probably the easiest one you're going to find. It's around the nation. Why is it around the nation? Because this brewery is now owned by Anheuser-Busch. So there's a lot more distribution it gets in the country. And this is Goose Island's Matilda. And this is a, the style is a, a Belgian strong pale. It's available all year round. So it shouldn't be difficult to find. I, in fact, I've got a bottle in my fridge right now. And honestly, I meant to drink it. Um, I, it's funny that he sent an email because I already had the bottle. Every time I see Matilda come, you know, in the store, I always grab a bottle because I do enjoy this beer. Um, and I really should have drank it before the show so I could give some tasting notes on it myself and make sure it kind of follows in line with what, uh, you know, what his wife is looking for. But, uh, the ABV is a, is a lot lower than that 10 and a half. It's 7%. And the IBUs, 26 IBUs. So it's not very strong in bitterness. It does have a little bit of the perceived or the bitterness in there. Uh, not necessarily, you know, it's going to finish dry. Um, you know, so, but not too bitter. The next one is another one that uh, I enjoy, but I don't know if you'll be able to get this in Oklahoma, Larry. It's from North Coast Brewing. I, we talk about North Coast Brewing all the time on this show. Uh, they do the you know, a few beers that we've done tasting notes on, the Old Rasputin, very good at Russian Imperial Stout. They have the that Pilsner uh, Scrimshaw that we really enjoy. I mean, that's just a couple of ones they do, but they also do this one called Prankster, P-R-A- in Q S T E R. And this is also a Belgian strong pale ale available all year round. It comes in a little bit higher than the Goose Island Matilda. It comes in at 7.6%, but the IBUs are a little bit lower at 20% or 20 IBUs, a little bit lower uh, on that. And then the last one that I'm going to mention is another one that should be available in the Oklahoma area, I believe. I might be wrong, but I get them all the way out here in Boise. So I find that hard to believe that they wouldn't have it available in Oklahoma. And this is from Brewery Omegang, and it's their Noma Gang. Noma Gang. I mean, that's a that's a hard one to have. I've had this one a number of times. Uh, this style is also a Belgian strong pale ale available all year round. Now, this comes up closer to what your wife is looking for. It's 9.5% alcohol. So this is a little bit closer to that 10.5%. And it's uh, 26 IBUs. I believe this all comes right, you know, these are, that one's, you know, comes pretty close to that pirate. 
Uh, and, and I believe you can get it in your area. So look for Nomagang from Brewery Amagang. So, Chris, you had a couple suggestions, too, you wanted to throw out there. Yeah, I did. I, I don't know. I was just looking through uh, just a couple of Google searches just to kind of see where, you know, where we might be able to kind of find a, find some similar styles. Uh, the first one I came up with, uh, like you were just mentioning, Denny, I don't know if he'll be able to find it out his way, uh, but it's it's called Damnation from Russian River, uh, Russian River out of California. And it's a Belgian strong golden ale. Uh, it's coming in at about 7.75% ABV, uh, 29 IBUs. So not, not really on the bitter side. Um, so that might be an option for you. And that's, uh, I know it's a beer that I've personally had. Denny, have you had that one before? Oh yeah. Yeah. We okay. went, we went to Russian river and, uh, we, yeah, when we left, we, we had every single beer they had on tap. Uh, they have like 28 beers on tap. We had every one. We tried every one. And then we bought bottles of everything they had available in bottles. So we got Damnation. I mean, it was a couple hundred dollars in uh, just the bottles that we bought after we, we had our dinner and uh, our taster. So, uh, yeah, I have had Damnation. I do enjoy it. I love all the Russian River uh, beers. They're all really good. Okay. Yeah, that's. I mean, they they put out some amazing stuff. So if you can get a hold of that one, uh, Larry, definitely grab a hold of one of those. Uh, and the other one I I found, uh, I at least me personally, I seem to find this uh, even in my local grocery store. I find is called uh, Delirium Tremens, mm-hmm. um, which the brewery name I can't pronounce. It's from Belgium, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, the. Uh, the beer itself uh, is a Belgian strong pale ale, uh, according to Beer Advocate. If you look it on a, on a, look it up on Untapped, it'll tell you Belgian Belgian style golden ale or Belgian strong golden ale. So kind of along that, that same style that you might be looking for. Um, the uh, this one comes in a little bit higher at eight and a half percent. Unfortunately, though, the uh, IBUs are unknown. Now, uh, what the IBUs are uh, i wouldn't be able to tell you but i can tell you it's nothing nothing crazy it's not going to be anything you know above 50 uh, no 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 yeah it's it's going to be this one's really low i'm guessing it's probably like 15 18 ibus if i were to guess yeah but i seem to find this one anywhere from uh, a handful of restaurants and again this is this is what we see in the tampa area a handful of restaurants grocery stores uh beer bars it's a, it's a good solid beer that that uh, I've had many many times. It's available year round. Uh, that that would be a, a nice, I think would be a nice choice for your wife, even if even if it's not in comparison to what she's looking for. Uh, this is a good beer anyway. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, it, and it comes in a really cool bottle, or it's coming in cans now too. But there's a pink elephant on the front, and the the cans are like a light blue color, but the the bottles. Uh, are pretty cool. They're they're almost like painted uh, an off white color, yeah. and they've got black specks all over it. And the bottle's wrapped with like a foil top over the cap. Uh, I can't remember are these capped or corked. Uh, I think these are capped. They're they're capped. Yeah. yeah, they're capped. And there's and there's pink elephants. Don't yeah, pink I mean, elephants. Yeah. you could just if if you're looking for it, go go to your local bottle shop and go. I'm looking for the beer with the pink elephants on it. <laughs> Yeah, that shouldn't be a hard one to find. They'll probably know what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, they ha- they they have these pretty much everywhere. I get I can get them uh, in my local area. I, I can get 
I can't get uh, Russian River in my local area. I wish I could, but uh, I can no. get the Delirium for sure. You know, it, it was a funny thing that I was looking looking up some information about Delirium, Delirium Tremens. Uh, didn't realize that this was um, an actual, an actual. What's the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This is a, a symptom, or uh, it's like a, it's a withdrawal symptom from alcohol. Oh, really? <laughs> so, uh, come to find out, delirium tremens. The actual uh, shit. What's the word I'm looking for here? It's the actual. Uh, anyway, it's it's the rapid onset of confusion, usually caused by withdrawal from alcohol. Wow. And it can, it can often la- it's often three days into the withdrawal symptoms and can last for two or three days. So just just go get the uh, just go get the beer. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't deprive yourself. You need it. <laughs> I don't want to get that. <laughs> but you know, according to the interwebs, it's very rare. So okay, okay, because no one stops drinking. Yeah, why? Why yeah. would you do that? Yeah. Okay. Well, you must. I mean, I, okay. I don't want to drag on, but you must be a a real alcoholic to. To once you stop and you have that happen. So we're not at that point. Well, I mean, that's probably when you do see the pink elephants. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you, Larry, for your question. And I hope that you're able to find some of our suggestions in your local area so you can keep your wife happy. Happy wife is a happy life, for sure. All right, we had another voicemail from our buddy, Tom Joseph, in Virginia. Let's hear what Tom has to say. Hey, this is Tom Joseph from Virginia. I am ready to win my B-Cups. I've seen all these pictures today from Chris down there in Florida with all the beers on people with bikinis, and it's just not right. I want the B-Cups. I want them now. Well, guess what? I guess Tom wants a set of B-Cups. So, Tom, you better uh, enter our next contest because or, – or if Mark Connor doesn't reply, then maybe we can re-roll – the will and find out if we can get uh, a new winner. So, uh, but so, so don't worry, Tom, there's still going to be opportunities. We have uh, two more sets to give away for sure. So you have two more opportunities mm-hmm. to get these. And of course, if you don't win them, you can always go and buy them. Go, go to fermented reality or bcups.net and uh, pick up a set. Uh, you know, Chris and I have a set of four ourselves and we really enjoy them. I think you'll enjoy them too. All right, so I mentioned Mark Connor. Guess what, Mark, buddy? Hey, send us your uh, your information. Uh, we can't send you your B cups if we don't know where to send them to. So, please, as soon as you hear this, uh, send us your information because if we don't hear from you by time we record our next episode, we might have to give these away to another listener because you have to listen to win on our podcast. So you got to listen and be kind of uh, prompt. Which is going to be Monday, Monday, March 25th. Monday, March 25th. Currently, we're currently uh, March 11th right now. And uh, we'll be recording our next episode on March 25th around 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah. You got 14 days from the time that we're recording, uh, which means you've got 10 days from the time that you hear this if you hear it on the day's release. So, (laughs) uh, so yeah, don't, don't fret. Hey. And for all the other listeners out there, if Mark does not reply back by the 25th, we will roll that wheel and we will have a different winner. So yeah, be prepared. Price is right style. Price is right. That thing. Price is right. And you know what? If we roll that, guess what? Tom Joseph and Mr. Larry, you will both be also eligible 
to uh, to win because you did leave voicemails just because I we did it early. I felt bad, but uh, hey, we'll put you in that that contest too, right, Chris? All all rights reserved. Yeah, okay. we forgot to put that in there. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, we didn't get any feedback uh, as far as emails or any kind of social media responses or anything that we, we can talk about, but we did put out a call for our next B Cup contest in the last episode, and guess what? We had uh, three people leave feedback on iTunes now. I will admit that it has been a f- couple months since I checked the iTunes reviews because I'm not used to actually getting iTunes reviews. Uh, I go there and I check and I get very disappointed when no one knew has uh, left a review. But I was wrong because before, like right after we recorded the last episode, I went to iTunes to see, well, do we have any new iTunes reviews? And we did have a new one. We had one from Sluggo27. Thank you, Sluggo. You sent an email like five or six weeks, or not email, uh, iTunes review, like five or six weeks ago, and I didn't see it. I apologize. Thank you very much for the wonderful written review and five-cap rating that you gave us. Also, thank you, Eric Gronley and Buck Buchanan, for your reviews and your five-cap ratings. We really appreciate or five. I say five-cap. I'm so used to saying five-cap. Five-star ratings on the iTunes. Uh, we really appreciate it, and guess what? You three are entered in to our next contest automatically. And any time that we have an iTunes-related contest, you're automatically entered into the contest because you've already left a review on iTunes. So we really appreciate that. Okay, if you would like to contact the show with your comments or questions, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com or on Twitter. Just follow us at tapthecraft, and you can... Also, leave your comments, questions, feedback on Facebook at facebook.com slash tap the craft. And don't forget, we do have that voicemail number. You can call us at 208-536-3359 or 208-53-ODDLY. Oddly, with two Ds, oddly. Leave your feedback. Ask us a question like Larry did. Uh, provide us with some of your, uh, your uh, craft beer journey like uh, Jim did. I mean, hey, whatever you want to do, we love hearing your feedback. Or just go and leave us a feedback that you want some B-cups. We'll we'll take that too, like Tom Joseph did. We like that. And I just want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting the show. They provide the hosting space at openforumradio.com. And if you enjoy the content that we're putting out, we know you'll find some other great content like the following. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny, John, and Chris. Hey, and if you want to check out more great podcasts, check out the Open Form Radio Network over at OpenFormRadio.com. We have such podcasts such as Open Form Radio Proper, Facetious, Geeks for the Win, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gaming Vessels, Slash Attainment, and Conspiracy Otter. Hey, thank you so much for checking out Tap the Craft today, and please leave these fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this great show. Hey, thanks again for listening. All right, now it's time for the Brew Buzz. The Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing various related topics, and this week we will discuss the world of flagship beers and how flagship beers came about, where they've gone, and if they're going to continue, and what's important about this whole flagship beer mentality. So in the last episode, we had a voicemail question from the Gnarly Gnome concerning flagship February, and he wanted to know our take on 
on drinking the fundamental, the foundational or, or, or uh, you know, staple beers of our favorite breweries. And I feel bad because I listened back when I, uh, we answered it and I, because we had such a long show, I was trying to, to kind of try to hurry through some of the content and I didn't, I felt I didn't do this question enough justice. It's a, it's a very, very good question asking us whether or not we, you know, what is our take on flagship beers and whether or not we, you know, we go and drink these flagship beers or you know, more information about it. So I thought, why not do a whole segment on what flagship beers are, what's the importance of it, whether or not that we enjoy drinking flagship beers or should we just get rid of this whole flagship stuff? Nobody wants flagships, right? They want whatever is new and greatest coming out. At least that's what it seems like. So because we didn't uh, we didn't spend that time, I, that's, we're going to take that time right now in this episode. So I apologize that uh, this BrewBuzz segment is pretty much just me standing on a soapbox doing my own commentary on, on the flagship beers. But I will throw it out to Chris. Uh, to go ahead and uh, you know answer some questions, give his feedback on some things. So, Chris, um, if I get too winded, too long-winded, and you want to say something, just interrupt me and jump in. And, and don't say you worry, questions. I'll absolutely interrupt you just okay. like that. All right, perfect, perfect. <laughs> I can count on you. I can count on you. Okay. So, in the last year, I have seen a number of older, well-established breweries either completely go out of business or they end up scaling back to production and their distribution reach. In Oregon, there's been a number, in Portland area especially, there's been a number of breweries that have gone out of business. I want to just, you know, remember one of them that I really liked that came into the Boise area that was a small little brewery in Silverton, Oregon, called Seven Brides Brewing. Man, these guys made some great beer. And I love their beer. And when they first came into the area, I bought everything they that they sold. And I enjoyed it. And I continued to buy it because they made some great beer. But I think because they, they ventured into to the Idaho, it, it takes some, you know, effort to go ahead and go all the way from the, the further, you know, all the way to the West Coast. I mean, on the on the beach almost, all the way out to here, uh, to the Boise area. It takes some investment. And I don't think that they were at the right size to to handle that uh, investment and that uh, distribution. So they end up scaling back and, and they actually, I think they're only in our area maybe for six months at the most. I don't think they were they were there longer than six months because I think for, the, for that six months, I was buying their beer like, you know, like crazy. I was buying six packs of their beer because they just made some really solid good beers that just tasted good. And at that point, maybe I wasn't going after all those new beers and I was enjoying just drinking some foundational, good, solid quality beers. But the, they went out of business last year, last uh, September, which was really sad for me because uh, I wanted to see them stick around. Other breweries like Burnside Brewing, Alameda Brewing, The Commons, and even Widmere Brothers Brewing, they haven't gone out of business yet, but they are struggling in their business by recently closing down their restaurant tap room in in, in uh, downtown Portland, uh, which is surprising, right? They're, you know, they have some some beers that are well-known out there, you know, w- well-recognized. You would think that they wouldn't have as much trouble, but maybe some of these more well-known beers are taken for granted. Maybe these flagship beers, uh, you know, they're not getting the attention they did back when they were first released. So what is 
breweries done to try to combat this uh, this problem with the with, with not being as relevant or maybe trying to come up with capital to meet their dreams, go out and expand. Uh, you know, some of them have gone to the dark side. You know, they sold out. They've gone to AB InBev, to Coors Miller, to Heineken. You know, they've gone to these big beers. They've even gone overseas to some uh, to some uh, Japanese companies and and you know other companies that that have a stake in their ownership to help them meet what their goals are. And even some of these, maybe they're not going to other beer companies, but they're taking investments from outside corporations that want to have a vested interest in making this brewery bigger than they are. So that's one way to overcome some of the, uh, the you know, the hardships that, that that you're seeking. As long as you have a good business plan, you have a good plan, it can help. I know Lagunitas, when they first went and sold half of their company to Heineken, I was a little bit upset because this is, uh, you know, a guy that, that, that was all, you know, was all about building up the company. And I thought he would never sell out, but he wanted to make, I think there's twofold, right? He kind of wanted to step, step aside and not have to deal with all the, the ins and outs of running a big brewery. And he wanted to expand. He wanted to, you know, get that expansion out to the other outside, outside the country to other parts of the world. And with Heineken, he has that capability. Now Lagunitas is on every United flight, you, domestic or international. You can get Lagunitas beer. I yeah, mean, I don't blame him for doing that whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, do you want to do your job forever? No, no. But no. and 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 I mean, it worked though, right? He said he wanted to get a more world exposure to Lagunitas beers, and it and that's happened, right? Now, when I fly to Israel and back. I get Lagunitas beers coming and going. I mean, it, it's stocked up when I when I leave Israel. It's stocked up when I leave for Israel. Uh, I mean, that was would have never been if it wasn't for. I mean, I won't say never. Most likely, that wouldn't have happened, especially on an international flight with a big company like United. They're not going to go and diddle daddle around with small craft breweries to get you know small doses of beer on their flights. They want to know that they can count on one company to supply the beer that they need or a couple companies, right? They have Heineken that has Heineken beer and Laguinias and other beers. They have a, you know, Anheuser-Busch. They have, you know, they have other companies that go and provide the beer and now they have a, a wide variety. So who's the winner? I guess I'm the winner because now I can drink Laguinias, a good IPA, a good, you know, whatever L they have on there. It's not necessarily just the IPA they have. They have a lot of variety. Uh, the 12th of never, I think, beer was on there last time I flew. So, yeah, it, it, it helps, right? It, gets, it helps you uh, uh, stay relevant, I guess, in, in the beer world. Any yeah, comments? Yeah, I was going to say, if you, if you want your beer to be um, enjoyed around the world, well, why not plug into a world-renowned beer brand? Yeah. And, you know, like I was just asking you a few seconds ago, I was like, do you want to do your job forever? No, he's just he's just going to be uh, kind of accelerating the process and um, getting to have the ability to walk away from his position and not have to put so much time into it. Yeah. 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 And he's and still. Now you, and now you can enjoy Lagunitas on your flights to Israel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a bonus. That is a bonus. I meant to talk about this on the last episode. But again, um, it was a jam-packed episode, almost two hours long. Uh, I didn't want to throw another tidbit of information in. And for most people, uh, you're not going to care. But for me, 
I needed to uh, explain, I mean, I needed to talk about this uh, brewery that is announced a few weeks ago that they're going to close down business. Uh, this is Bridgeport Brewing out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, they announced that they're going to shut down brewing operations permanently. And I'll tell you what, I've mentioned this before on the show that Bridgeport Brewing played a major part in my craft beer journey. They provided an IPA. Their Bridgeport IPA is the IPA that literally I drank for like almost every day for six years. And I just love, I mean, my friend Sean and I love this beer. I buy, you know, every time I go to the store, every week I buy a six pack and I was drinking a six pack of this a week. And I was drinking other stuff too, but this was my staple. This was my flagship beer that I had to have every week to enjoy. And I really enjoyed it. Now, this brewery is going out of business. Now, are they going out of business because, you know, why are they going out of business, right? Well, looking at the way that they ran their business, they were no longer out there producing beers, like great beers that people would drink. They were following the fads, the trends. You know, whenever something new came along, they would just go ahead and jump on it. They, you know, they make a beer in that style or close to that style because that's what's selling. Instead of going and focusing and making that beer the best beer they can that would make people want to buy it, they produced stuff that was just, yeah, it's okay, nothing memorable. Well, guess what? If you're not memorable, People aren't going to go and buy the beer. You have to keep yourself relevant by making a solid, very good beer. Now, they also had some bad expansion practice. You know, they, they were doing some expansions. They were doing things that, that weren't very good business practices. That did not help their situation. Uh, you know, they went from brewing, I don't know what their brewing was, but, you know, a, a large amount of, of quantity five years ago to, you know, a fraction of that quantity this last year until they finally decide, hey, you know what? It's not worth it. So we've been around Portland since 1984. That's a long time, 84. Wow. And now they're closing down. I was born. <laughs> yeah, they've been around as long as Chris has been alive. That's 34 years. Yeah. And now they're, you know, now they, they're shutting down. So, uh, so yeah, so it's sad. It's sad that, uh, that, that they're going, and I tried to find their IPA the last couple of weeks. I've tried to find some of their IPA. I, I couldn't find it. I did pick up a six-pack this weekend of their Kingpin Double Red Ale. So I have a six-pack of that I'm drinking. It might be the last beers of Bridgeport that I ever have, ever again. Um, I wish it would have been their IPA so I could go out drinking a, a beer I really enjoyed, but uh, I'll just settle out with the, uh, with the uh, Double Red. It's a, a good alternative, I guess. Yeah, I have a little list here uh, that I want to say. Why did, why did I stop drinking Bridgeport IPA after such a long time of drinking it? Well, there's a number of reasons why I went away. After six years of drinking this every single week, and I just stopped drinking it. Why did I stop drinking it? Well, guess what? I started experimenting with new styles. I started going back to some of those traditional styles that I enjoyed when I first started drinking craft beer before I found IPA, those German beers. I started diving into Belgian ales. I started drinking lagers. I used to hate lagers because lagers reminded me of Budweiser and uh, Miller's and Coors. 
And I didn't want to drink stuff to remind me of the regular domestic stuff. So I tried to find things as far away from lagers as possible. Well, guess what? I realized that lagers don't have to taste like those domestic type lagers that we get mass produced. They can actually have good flavors. I also started experimenting with sours. I found that there's a wide variety of beer styles out there besides IPA that were really good and I wanted to try. What also led to, to this, I, again, um, let me give you some date ranges, right? I was drinking this IPA from about 2002 to 2008. Now, 2008 is still 11 years ago. I know for some of you out there that, that you weren't even thinking about craft beer in 2008. And I was just, you know, shifting gears in my craft beer journey in 2008 because I already already been drinking craft beer for a, quite a while. But in 2008, something started happening in the craft beer world. We started getting more regional breweries, breweries that were expanding, like Stone Brewing, you know, like uh, Old Rasputin's North Coast, uh, you know, Lagunitas. Uh, you know, all these, you know, Oscar Blues, New Belgium. Now, of course, New Belgium started rapidly expanding, but other breweries started coming in. We had Flying Dog that was in the Boise area. Now, Flying Dog used to be out of Colorado until they moved over to Maryland. And when they were in Colorado, their beer was coming in, and I loved drinking their doggy-style pale ale. Heck, I would drink that all the time myself. I love that beer. We started getting more and more varieties of breweries into the area when you get more variety that as a craft beer scene grows and you get more variety guess what you're gonna you want to try these new breweries so i started buying more of other stuff besides that staple yeah i would still grab a six-pack but guess what that six-pack of that ipa instead of being gone in a week or in two days it would be it would last me for a month maybe i'll, I'll just kind of drink one here and there because i was going out and trying new breweries that were coming into the area. Also, around that same time frame of 2008, 2009, we started to get expansions in Idaho where, where breweries were opening up. We had new breweries that were opening in the area. We went from having four or five local breweries in the Boise area to 12 to 15 in a very short period of time. And now we have over 20 breweries in the Boise area. That's a, that's a huge growth. And when you have a lot of these local breweries, guess what? I'm buying local beer. I'm buying stuff I'm, you know, that I want to drink. I'm buying growlers of beers from these breweries before they start packaging. When I'm buying masses amounts of beer from local, guess what? I'm not buying from outside the state or you know, from, from that brewery. And, of course, I started hunting for these new beers. I wanted to try new things. And then the last nail in the coffin is Untapped came out. I started untapped in 2011 i mean i've been on a tap for over seven years i've been on untapping guess what when you introduce an application a social media beer drinking application like untapped then that that's giving you badges that's that's you know untapped so, ruined us all yeah now, now beer drinking is a competition yeah yeah <laughs> it was all about trying to get those unique check-ins to stay up with your friends you know back in that early days Untap. I had. There's a lot of people that were active on Untap that we were, you know, having little competitions trying to see who could have more and more uniques and stuff. Um, yeah. Now, of course, a lot of those people haven't stuck around. I'm one of the guys that just stuck around for a long time because I still use the app because I like interacting with people on it and I like to be able to keep track of the beers that I drink. But 
it also caused me to want to try new things. And instead of ordering a beer that I love, I'll order something that I might want to take a, tr a you know a shot on instead of ordering those flagship beers. So now, now that I talked about this whole movement and the stuff going on in craft beer world, let's get back to the whole flagship beer topic. So what the heck is a flagship beer? That's what you're probably asking me. Heck, Denny, you've been talking about these flagship beers. I don't even know what a flagship beer is. I've been drinking beer for two years now. I never even heard of flagship beers. Well, guess what? Flagship beers has been along around since the beginning of craft beer. And there's a reason why these flagship beers became a popular uh, term. So let me go ahead and explain what these flagship beers are. So a flagship beer is typically uh, the you know these breweries' best beer, or at least the beer that they're best known for. It could also be their best-selling beer. So a brewery opens up, they're going to have they're going to open up with a set of beers that they're going to release. And they may have one that they already know is going to be like their best seller. Or they may have four beers that they don't know which is going to be best. What happens? People start coming in, drinking it, and they start buying the beers that they enjoy the most. The beer that goes out the door and empties out fastest becomes that brewery's flagship beer because that's the beer that's in the most demand, is making the most money because most people are buying it. And they, they got to keep producing more and more of it. Usually, a flagship beer will be a brewery's 70 to 80% sales on that beer alone will be from that flagship beer. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a well, lot. And, then, and I also kind of look at it too and go, well, if I say, the, say a brewery name, what beer do you immediately think of? Mm -hmm. So, like, there's certain breweries that I look at, which I'm sure we'll get into here in just a little bit. That if I was to say the name of a brewery, you'd automatically picture the label art, or you'd automatically think of the uh, you know that type of beer, or or enjoying that beer from that brewery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if you've never even had the beer, there are beers that you know from you know that that you know the brewery from the beer, and you never even had it because it's been yeah. mentioned or talked about. So, Chris, this is a good opportunity to get you to have some airway here. Why don't you go ahead and just uh, name off some of these names and, and the beer that their flagship beer is? Yeah, so I wrote down a couple because you and I were talking about this earlier. And I know one of these that I have written down um, might be a second flagship to one that you have in our notes. But like things like Dogfish Head. Yeah. Like I know they make a lot. They make a lot of beer, period. But they make a lot of unique beers. But if mm -hmm. you look at Dogfish Head, and again, what do you picture? What do you see? What do you think of when you see that? They're uh, 60 minute IPA, 90 minute IPA. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into the 120 argument. <laughs> right now. Um, but things like um, Bell's Brewing, they're two hearted, hearted. IPA. Yeah. Uh, um, and I feel like I'm going down a trend here because with my next one, Founders, Founders Brewing. What do you think of with them? Wow. Now that's a hard one because. My first uh, all-day IPA, but I don't think that's their flagship. I would say, I don't know, all-day all IPA. Now, that's what I wrote down. Okay. okay. So, again, I think it has a lot to do with what we automatically picture yeah. or automatically think of when you say a brewery's name. What do you see? So, like, if you go into your local bottle shop and you go Founders, you see that green box with the pit, with the rusty old pickup truck yeah, on it yeah. that says all-day IPA. The next <laughs> one, though... 
The next one I want you to think of, though, North Coast. Old Rasputin. Exactly. That's And see, it's funny because all these things that I'm telling you about, that's exactly what I wrote down. Mm-hmm. I wrote down Old Rasputin. So I feel like that the... Uh, we we kind of dropped the ball in flagship February. <laughs> <laughs> if I would have known that flagship February is a thing before the last week of or you know of, of flagship February, I would have for sure had a new flagship beer every single day, and just to to represent it. But I, I've been I've been doing that. I've been drinking a lot of flagship beers since we got that voicemail from the gnarly gnome. Um, it 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 opened my eyes. It made me realize mm-hmm. that why. Am I chasing all these new beers? And why not just enjoy, you know, sit back and smell the flowers type behavior, right? Go just mm-hmm. sit back and enjoy the stuff that you know you enjoy. Why, you know, yeah. why, why chase and get lucky? It's always because you, it's that fear of missing out, that FOMO. You know, oh that, my gosh, no kidding. I mean, you just don't, you're like, you know what? If I don't have this new beer, it might be the best beer I ever had. I got to try it. And I've, I've stepped back. Now I'm still buying. I, you know, cans of new stuff that's coming out. But I'll tell you what, I I have focused on drinking a lot of flagship beers in the last several weeks, and I'm enjoying it. I really am. It brings me back to what I love about craft beer. It's just a variety of really great beers. Yeah. And that FOMO, that, that fear of missing out, that thing is real. Yeah. Um, my beer fridge can attest to the validity of that. Um, just just with using one simple brewery of Hidden Springs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that box I sent you was four Hidden Springs beers and then another Tampa brewery. <laughs> what? But I mean, if you if you look in my fridge right now, there's um, Axel Rose. And this is all from Hidden Springs. Axel Rose. Um, I'm out of beer. I'm out of bear lasers. Which is sad. <laughs> uh, we talked about that. That would kind of be a flagship from them. Um uh, the Tiger's Blood, which we talked about. Um, Man Child, which is a peanut butter and jelly Berliner. Oh, yeah. You talked about that one. What, what's the other ones I have in there? Man Child. Uh, Monopoly Money, which is there, which is an IPA with a bunch of different um, different hops in it. Um, it. It's ridiculous. And you know what's really getting me about their beers is their can art. Mm-hmm. But then every time I go and get one of their beers or I go, okay, I'll swing by. I'll leave this appointment from at this time and I'll swing by and grab a, grab a four pack. I'm never disappointed. Yeah. So every time something comes out, I go, well, the last 16 were pretty good. So number 17 has got to be good as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, here's a few, let me just list a few ones that I think that everyone would, would recognize as flagship beers. Even if these are from across the country, from the, West Coast to the East Coast, and starting off with with one of my favorite breweries and my one of my favorite flagship beers is the Deschutes Brewery Black Butte Porter. I mean, Chris and I have talked about Black Butte mm-hmm. Porter uh, on this show, and and John have we, we we've been talking about this beer uh, since this show has been around uh, for five years. Uh, it's it I still drink I still get a, a six pack every so often of this. And, uh, and I drink it and I love it every time I drink it. It hasn't changed. Uh, New Belgium's Fat Tire. Whether, whatever you think of New Belgium beers, you still know that when you think, when New Belgium is mentioned, the first thing that comes to your mind is Fat Tire. Whether you like Amber Ales or not, it's still going to be the one beer that you think of. 
Also, also again, another bigger craft brewery, Boston Beer, Samuel Adams Boston Lager. How, how, I mean, how can you not think of that as as the the, the namesake of the of the company? Well, they really don't put out much more than that. No, they do. They do. Well, I mean, they do, but it's little bits here and there. Yeah. So, I mean, this is probably ninety-five percent of their sales <laughs> is Boston Lager. Yeah. But Lagunitas IPA, uh, again, solid, solid beer. Sierra Nevada's Pale L. We've talked about Sierra Nevada Pale L a, a, a number of times. We did a which, tasting dose segment on it, which is a huge flagship because yeah. you can't you can't help but say Sierra Nevada and just see that see that logo or that emblem. Yeah. Of, again, that green box with the yellow, yellow uh, logo. Mm-hmm. You can't help but see that yeah. when you say Sierra Nevada. Yep. Yeah. Victory Brewing. Victory Brewing's Hop Devil IPA. So I'm going to mention a few IPAs. Why IPAs are flagships, especially now in this day and age, is because when these became flagships, they weren't the high hitter, they weren't the, the beers that were available all over the place, right? They were beers that made a statement. And what the statement is this IPA, this Hop Devil IPA has got some serious bitter hops in it, right? It's mm-hmm. got some, I mean, serious hops. You mentioned Bell's Two Hearted. Bell's Two Hearted is uh, a special beer for the time not because it was not is that a that's an IPA right the two hundred it is yeah yeah not because it's an IPA but because it was one of the first beer IPAs that was utilizing a lot of fresh hop character or not fresh hop not fresh hop uh, dry hopped <laughs> man I I gotta slow down on these beers uh, the first time I mean it was it was utilizing big hop character from dry hopping beers, right? IPAs. That's why that beer was as popular as it was is because it had flavor that no other IPA had, especially, you know, IPAs on the East Coast. Uh, I mean, so these beers, I mentioned Moostrel, right? Moostrel, why is Moostrel a brown ale, a flagship beer? Because at that time, that was a statement beer. It was a beer that was totally unlike anything that Anheuser-Busch was putting out. And it, it had different flavor, and people would gravitate towards those different flavors. All right, so another IPA, Hialeah IPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you think of Cigar City. Well, the first beer that comes to your mind, besides uh, Hunapu, maybe might come to your mind, but the first, the real first one should be Hialeah. That's their, that's their flagship. That, that beer made Cigar City. Uh, what it was, you know, to be so popular. And there was actually another one on my list that when we were talking earlier, and I didn't want to bring it up because I wanted you to get through this list, but they're, they have a couple of flagship beers. Uh, they're highlight that, again, you think of Cigar City, you think of Highlight. Uh, but their other one they have is called Maduro, which is a brown ale that I actually prefer over the Highlight. Oh, wow. And that's a brown that, ale. Cool. Yeah. And that's one that's one you can find, I mean, right next to Highlight in every beer shelf and every store that carries Cigar City products. It's Highlight, Maduro, and um Invasion is there uh I can't remember what Invasion is. Uh but then and then they have another one called Florida Cracker. There's, there's, <laughs> And that's uh, and that's just a, a whole back to the cattle ranching days of uh, of Florida, but um, 
I think Invasion's a pale ale. Okay. Yeah, pale ale. And then uh, like the Florida Crackers, like a Belgian, Belgian white or something like that. Mm. But yeah, I mean all their all their beers again, they're yeah, it's a wit beer. It's just again, if you if you see these, see that logo, you automatically think of these beers. Yeah. Yeah. And Maduro is actually one that I prefer over the high law any day of the year. <laughs> okay. All right. Quickly through the last little ones I have on my list, because I want to make sure I gave each coast and in between some love. So Russian River, Pliny the Elder, double IPA. Uh, I mean, anytime you hear Russian River, that's the first beer that comes to your mind. Allagash. Mm-hmm. I mentioned Allagash already. They're white. They're Belgian wit. This beer, again, for the time when this came out, nobody, not even Blue Moon at the time, was producing a Belgian wit with so much flavor in it. It stood out uh, uh, even among all the other beers out there, IPAs and pales and browns. This one was different. And, uh, you know, it still makes a statement today. It's, you know, their best-selling beer. Wimmer Brothers Hefeweizen. There was a time when every brewery that opened back in the 90s, they had to have several beers, a pale, a, a porter or stout, uh, a Hefeweizen, and a lager typically, or maybe a golden ale if they didn't have a lager. I mean, those were the beers that everyone was putting out. They weren't putting out IPAs. They weren't putting out sours. They weren't putting out hazy stuff. The hazy stuff they were putting out was Hefeweizen. Most breweries brewed a Hefeweizen because that's what people at that time were used to seeing, those styles of beer. And the Widmere Hef which is actually not even a hef. It's like a different style, I think. I can't think of it right at the top, but that that's a, a you know, you think of Widmere, what do you think of the Hefeweizen? You think of that yellow label with the black letters yeah, the on black, it. Yeah. And then the last one I have to mention is Oscar Blue's Dale's Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. And why is this one so memorable? Because Dale's Pale was the first craft beer put into cans. And I remember... When, when uh, Oscar Blues came to Boise, and I saw their beer in cans. They had Dale's Pale and they had their Scotch Ale, and I'm like, I'm like, what the heck is this? You know, and, and they wanted a good, you know, they wanted a decent, you know, wanted a, a craft beer price for. It. I'm like, who puts cra- who puts beer in cans? If you have beer in cans, it's gonna taste like crap, right? Because you're used to having cans, you know, not, you know, have off flavor and stuff. But I'll tell you what, I really enjoyed their beer and and the beers in the cans. And it's now look at it. Now we everyone goes out and looks for beers in cans. And uh, Oscar Blue starred that whole thing. They created the Crowler also, you know, 32 ounce can growler. Uh, it's brilliant. I mean, I hope Did they, they really. Yeah, I hope they patented it. <laughs> and they're making a ton of money off of it. I hope so. <laughs> So, okay, so those are some flagship beers. You've all heard of them, and you probably have all drank at least one of them, and they're all great beers. So flagship beers are often, like I mentioned, the first beers that a brewery releases. Um, but the flagships, they, they can change over time. A brewery might open with a certain set of beers, and they may say, okay, at this time, this beer is our flagship beer. But guess what? As breweries mature and they change over time, they start brewing different styles, it's 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 possible for a brewery to become their beer to change what people like, and now a different beer style becomes the bo- the best selling beer. 
and it may take on their flagship role if it becomes better than what their flagship was originally. That just may mean that their flagship beer either wasn't strong enough or, like Chris, you mentioned, maybe there's two beers that have come out that both sell like blockbusters and they're equally the the brewery's flagship type style of beer. And then, of course, there's times when a brewery will become more famous for their seasonal releases versus their flagship beers. And and people may think that the flagship beer of that brewery is this one special beer that, that everyone you know, knows about, like Hunapu or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever type big beer that big name comes out. Okay, I already mentioned that flagship beers are the ones that get produced the most. And mm-hmm. again, the, the brewery plans on selling more of that beer than any other because it's the one that sells the most. So you're going to make your most profit off of that one. They are uh, also, in the early days of craft beer, I, I mentioned that you wanted to make a statement. And so that's why these, these beers, the flagship beers, become the beers that have the most distinct flavor profile or different from traditional lagers. The breweries were pushing the boundaries of beer flavor profiles, so they were coming out with all kinds of styles. We saw just in the list that we listed, we had Belgian wits, we had stouts, we had black boot, well, we had porters and, and lagers and pale ales and IPAs. Uh, no sours, though. No sours yet. I didn't listen to any sours that are uh, our flagship beers. Now, has the flagship beer... Uh, has it lost its importance? Is it important for breweries nowadays to make a statement when there are so many breweries out there and there's so much fad beers going? You know, everyone wants a hazy IPA, so everyone's going to go drink an IPA or a hazy IPA. The IPA craze is 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 the big right, the big thing right now. So, do you automatically make an IPA your flagship? You know, so is there is the importance of having flagship beers? Uh, still important today. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I think it still is. I think breweries have to have a staple beer that they can produce. You know that that they know that they're gonna. It's their money maker. They can keep producing as long as it's a good solid beer. In fact, you know, John, when he was first talking about Trek Brewing, he said that hey, I'm not gonna tell the. I'm not gonna have a flagship beer when we first start. We're gonna produce beers. And we're going to see what the consumers like. And whatever the consumers like will become our flagship beer. Now, right now, if I were to guess what the flagship beer of Trek Brewing is, I might say it's their cream ale, mm-hmm. uh, which is surprising, right? Who in the world would ever think that a cream ale would be the one beer that's, that kind of makes a statement about a brewery? It's one that has not the most flavor out there that's going to grab you. I mean, are they good? Yeah, I love cream ales. I, I drink the hell out of cream ales all the time. But I wouldn't have gone out when I was designing my brewery and say, boom, we're going to make our cream ale our flagship beer. In my thought, because I've drank a lot of John's beer before he opened Trek Brewing, I thought for sure his flagship beer would be his vanilla stout. Uh, well, maybe it will be. It, it might be. It might be. You know, it might be his his thing. But his vanilla stout is incredible. Really, really good. Uh, I thought for sure that would be the premier beer. But you know what? It says a lot about a brewery that can make a solid cream ale that keeps people coming back and ordering it and and draining your supply of a cream ale. It means you know how to brew 
brew well and uh, and people keep coming back for that same character that they enjoy in that lighter ale. So I'm really proud of John for, uh, you know, for brewing great beer and for not telling his consumers what his flagship was going to be, but letting them decide. And now, if indeed the cream ale is his flagship beer or becomes his flagship beer, that eh, that's great. I, I mean, more power to him. That's that's it's great to be known for a beer outside of an IPA. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, I do, I do like the fact that the it was it was interesting looking at this list. I'm going, okay, well, we've got the Lagunitas IPA, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, Hop Devil IPA, Cigar City Highlight IPA, Pliny the Elder Double IPA, um, Oscar Blues Pale Ale. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of kind of running on a trend here um but it's also kind of cool like if you look at it too that those core beers or those flagship beers that's what's going to put your name out there yeah to draw people back to you to go well their flagship or their core beers were they were pretty good when i was you know at that at that barbecue or we were hanging out at the beach or we went camping and we brought that 12 pack of you know flagship ipa but I wonder what the rest of their stuff tastes like. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, hey, we happen to be traveling. Hey, remember when we were camping the a uh, uh, couple months ago and we had that uh, had that Allagash White? Mm-hmm. That let's go check out. Let's go check out Allagash when we go camping in Maine uh, next month. Yeah. Cool. That then that's just what's gonna that's what's just gonna bring more people into you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So uh, to finish this up. Uh, I just asked a question. Is it important to have a flagship beer now in 2019? And uh, for me to answer this, uh, although it's, I don't think it's as critical as it was 20, 25 years ago to have a statement of a flagship beer that was so much different than what everything else is because now craft beer is no longer a closet uh, hobby uh, thing, you know, where it's, it's out in the, in the mainstream. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't that long ago where you go to a bar and you didn't, you know, there might be a Guinness. The closest thing to craft beer you could get is is Guinness, which isn't craft at all. But it's like the the, the you know the one thing that was different, or maybe a Stella, or maybe uh, a Heineken. But those aren't craft beer. Those are just beers that are different than the the same old stuff that's on tap. Now it's not like that. Now you go into most restaurants, even chain restaurants, and you'll have at least a couple craft beer taps online online well and, and then and then too even 20 years ago how did you hear about sierra nevada pale ale other than trying it yeah. yourself yeah right so that's the big thing now is that i mean you hear about anything the moment it happens either through social media or through somebody else reading it on social media or something like that so the fact that you know just kind of going off of your notes that 20 years ago, uh, it had to be a word of mouth kind of thing. Yeah. So things like, and I keep going back to this one, but things like Sierra Nevada's pale ale going, yeah, I know it's a little more expensive, but it's really good. You have to try it. And then going from there going, okay, well, Hey, Sierra Nevada put out celebration for Christmas. I wonder what that's like. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is really good. But now we have, uh, the ability to reach out to the entire world within a matter of seconds to go, 
this beer is freaking amazing and you know a billion people know about it Mm -hmm. or at least uh, a billion people can have access to what you just posted or two billion people or however many people are using Facebook and Instagram and Twitter on a regular basis that uh, I still think it's important to have a flagship beer. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, I think flagship beers are important still, uh, you know, just so you, that, that breweries have a beer or two that, that represent what that brewery, you know, is all about. And that just that word of mouth through social media, through untapped, through Facebook, uh, of knowing that, hey, this, this brewery makes this solid beer, that will bring people to that brewery. So it is important to have have that good beer. Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah. And also, oh, and I was, I was going to say, and also, too, like when you go there to, you you know, say you go and visit that one brewery that you've been itching to go to uh, and you, you know, you take a vacation based around that brewery. Well, so let's say, let's just say I take a trip to Ohio in the near future and I go, well, let's go visit family, but I'm got to make sure I go visit Trek. Yeah. You know, John might have that. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's got a barrel program in his future, but uh, he might have that super big, you know, 12 and a half percent barrel age, whatever monstrosity hanging out in the back of the brew house. Uh, but, you know, once I finish my five ounce pour of that 12 percent beer, I want to just kind of chill out and hang out on, on those cream ales for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy my time there. Yeah. So yeah, that flagship beer is definitely important because it's something that I'm just, I want to sit and enjoy after I've had the big stuff and the, the heavy hitters uh, that I can sit and enjoy with my friends. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So just finishing up um, after seeing some of my favorite flagship beers and breweries leave the area or even go out of business in, in, in the last uh, year uh, I've, like I mentioned, I'm making an effort to go out there and get the beers that I enjoy because I ne- I don't know when I'll, you know, I may not, if I don't get it now, it, it may disappear and I won't have any knowledge of it disappearing until I can't get it anymore. And once I can't get it, then slowly, you know, that brewery may be just disappearing altogether and it's a sad thing. So I have been drinking a lot of, of uh, my old favorites because I want to keep these breweries and these beers around. And of course, they're great beers, so why not drink great beers? So one little, again, final thought here is that uh, in 2018, the Brewers Association, they hinted that around 300 craft breweries closed their doors last year. So it's a sign. You know, the, the craft beer industry is, is booming, right? We're almost, we're over 7,000 breweries now in, in the uh, United States. But... As it's growing, it's also decreasing. And some of these breweries that are disappearing are some older breweries that have been around, staples of the craft beer industry for a long time that are no longer as relevant as these newer ones, and and we're losing them. So keep that in mind. I think that for any brewer brewing in 2019, that they really need to adapt to the new playing field to stay relevant and, of course, stay profitable. And I think that these, like you mentioned, Chris, these flagship beers, they are going to play a role for their success. They've got to have a beer that, that their name is recognized for if they're going to stay relevant. Okay, 
Well, Chris, guess what? We have another long show. Jo Tom Joseph will be happy two episodes in a row because we're nearing two hours. So it's time to bring this sucker to a close. Do you have any last well, I, closing comments? I have one last closing comment just because this is a long show and I know Tom enjoys those. The Tampa Bay Lightning in first place. Okay. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. All right. I know. And I don't, I don't know if his capitals are doing as well this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's still he's still living off of uh, previous uh, love. Yeah, as he should, and yeah. you get to ride it for the entire year. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, do you besides Tom Joseph uh, and your uh, Tampa Lightning? Do you have anyone else you want to raise a glass to? Actually, I, I want to raise a glass to all of our listeners. Uh, the fact that you that you guys are participating along with us, uh, leaving us reviews, uh, sending, leaving us voicemails, commenting on our Facebook page, um, sending hate mail to Denny and John, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all that stuff, guys. Uh, you know, we couldn't do any of this stuff without people participating along with us, or it would just be the, the two or three of us just uh, talking to ourselves. So I, I want to raise a glass, which is unfortunately currently empty, but raise a glass to everybody who is uh, who's listening, who's subscribing, who's participating. Uh, cheers to you guys, because without you, we couldn't do this. Yeah, cheers. I'll raise my glass to that, too. Um, man, I don't know. I, I wasn't prepared for, uh, for uh, toasting today. Uh, I think I want to raise my glass to uh, Johan. His birthday was uh, a couple days ago. I don't know how old he is, but... Uh, but hey, cheers to you, uh, my favorite guy in Sweden, uh, home brewer, brewing up some hazy IPAs that he can't wait to let them uh, age long enough to uh, to get just full ripeness before he tries them. I think that's that's great, and he's making improvements to trying to get his beer uh, the best it can be. So maybe one day uh, I'll make it out there, and uh, we will uh, we'll meet, and I'll drink some of your home brew, and I'll bring some beers from the states. Because, uh, yeah, it's good to have more beer selection, for sure. And if I could pronounce happy birthday in, in Swedish, uh, that'd, be, that'd be great. But gratis Gratis, uh, yeah. is the closest thing I can come to it. Yeah, yeah, that's what everyone said on his uh, birthday wishes. I, I saw that. So I guess that might, might be good enough. Good enough. Okay, and of course, being a former serviceman, I just want to raise my glass to thank all those who have served and who are currently serving in the U.S. military service, protecting our freedoms. I hope that you are all, all that you, all the guys that are out there deployed can return home safely to your families very soon. And Chris, why don't you go ahead and uh, toast our sponsors? Absolutely. I want to raise a glass to B Cups, the supplier of outdoor craft beer cups for partnering up with us. And I encourage our listeners to go visit their site at bcups.net or check out everything that they've got going on at fermentedreality.com and check out the world's first full line of style-specific plastic beer cups for people on the go. Whether you're hanging out on the beach, by the pool, hiking in the wilderness, or even enjoying some time on the boat, B cups are great for any place you can't use standard glassware. You can also check out our friends at Tavor. If you use the promo code tap the craft at Tavor.com, it will give any new user a $10 credit after they spend $25. Nice. You can find the beers and the links to the articles mentioned on the show in the show notes located on the show post at openforumradio.com. 
And if you'd like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Loose Screw. And Chris, how can our followers, our listeners follow you? So you can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore McKenzie 82 or untapped and Instagram at MCK 1345. Or of course, you can always find me and at facebook.com forward slash tap the craft. Nice. All right. It's last call and time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show. We ask you to please tell a friend and, of course, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn, or Google Play, or however you listen to your podcast. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers.